Hi America, J.D. Collier with Eagle, Haas and Hound. This episode will feature the Eagle attribute of commitment and our Haas today will be Ulysses S. Grant, one of my favorites. We'll compare Ulysses Grant to Robert E. Lee as they had a meeting in April of 1865 to secure the surrender and finish off that Civil War. So please sit back and enjoy. Please like and subscribe and send in your comments. This is J.D. Collier with Eagle Impact. This is the Eagle, Haas, and Hound podcast. Welcome. Created by Eagle Impact and Johnny Tilt Productions, this podcast honors and respects the service veterans and spouses, the social integrity heroes of our past, and the common American mutt. That's right, you. With this podcast, we provide a platform for respect. We respect the Eagle. That is, the individual with a service background, the sworn hero from the uniform who has risked it all for our protection. Plus, we respect and honor the Hoss. That is, the social integrity leader from our past, such as Franklin, Ulysses, Lincoln, and others from our American history. Finally, we respect you, the Hound, as we discuss the topics of the day, listening and learning together to improve our work, home, and family. Each week, we will bring you value in the form of knowledge and perspective. Just like you heard, we are all in this together, so get ready for another excellent show. It's the Eagle, Haas, and Hound podcast. There he is, Ulysses Grant. We'll be talking about him today and also talk about his foe, this fellow right here, Robert E. Lee, on the Eagle, Haas, and Hound podcast. And we'll also talk about the Eagle attribute of, co of commitment. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, I'm J.D. Collier, and welcome everybody to the podcast. I'm uh, happy to present to you the 14th episode of our second season. So this is the first week of April of 2021, and um, I want to remember the the date of April the 9th of 1865. And if you don't know, that's the date that this guy, Robert E. Lee, surrendered to this guy, General Ulysses Grant, to end the Civil War. So. April 9th of 1865. It was a great day in American history and uh, one that uh, we should celebrate. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today is that very day that that surrender that uh, that, that happened and uh, kind of what led to it and some of the things that happened afterwards. So uh, yeah, and uh, I did a little bit of research. You know, last time I've, I've presented General Grant a couple of times and I will continue because he's one of my favorites. As you can tell, he's a uh, on the Franklin Ulysses uh, motif. He's on the, the Franklin Ulysses 150. He's uh, one of my guys, Ulysses Grant. He's definitely a hoss, absolutely a hoss. Um, but this guy right here, Robert E. Lee, he, I don't call him a hoss and I'll tell you why. But first I will tell you that he is an eagle uh, because he did serve our country. In fact, uh, most of his career, he was a, a U.S. Army general or U.S. Army uh, officer you know so he actually went to West Point in fact was like the only guy who graduated from West Point with with no demerits he was a superstar and kind of a legendary uh, cadet and also when became you know he had a sterling career he was just fantastic in, in all of his military uh, capabilities and everything that you would expect from a, an officer and a gentleman this was this guy right here Robert E. Lee and he was the superintendent of the military academy. So that basically says a lot about his capabilities. He was, you know, in charge of uh, training the, the future leaders of the military. And uh, 
Well, it was kind of a <laughs> kind of a natural selection. You know, he was he was a career army officer, had uh, met every single uh, milestone, and he was it was just you know a superb officer and a, a general. And you know, when in eighteen 1861 when uh, the Civil War broke out he actually was approached by someone that uh, President Lincoln had reached out uh, through somebody else to, to approach him to see if he wanted the job to be in charge of the the Union and it didn't take long for for him to to say say no he didn't want to do the Union he wanted to uh, defend his homeland, which was Virginia, and uh, so that naturally made him choose to go with the Confederates. And, you know, that, that to me is, that's the fateful decision that for me makes him not a hoss, um, because he, he, he supported the cause for slavery. And, uh, you know, being that he grew up in that, in that area, um, I guess you can kind of understand, you know, his whole, his whole life he was told that he was superior and that uh, people with uh, different color skin were inferior and they, they were considered as property and they weren't considered as human beings. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a weird way to grow up, but that's what happened to him. He grew up in Virginia, he had slaves, he was a slaveholder, he had the mindset of a slaveholder. And just as I described, uh, you know, it's just a, a, a very racist mindset. Um, back then they didn't think there was anything wrong with it. They actually believed it was correct and they cited You know places in the Bible that uh, you know, they could they could choose or cherry-pick to uh, Back up their cause and in which he did and this man he was he was a devoted fr devout Christian He went to church and he you know um, this book is written It's a call the, the recollections and letters of Robert E. Lee and it was put together by his son, uh, also Robert E. Lee. And uh, the book was actually put together or curated, I think it was 1905. So it was well after Lee had died. And he just, you know, his son wanted to set the record straight on a lot of things. Did a pretty good job putting things together. Um, and, you know, Robert E. Lee just, he enjoyed quite a bit of, of fame in the South. Um, maybe infamy in the North, but in the South he was, revered for many reasons because he, he was a good officer um, really did know his stuff pretty well and uh, highly respected by the troops you know plus you know the government of uh, the the so-called confederacy um, but anyway yeah so before there was ever a civil war um, he was a, a, a regular US Army general or officer and he was involved in campaigns like the Mexican War. Um, so that's the Mexican War that happened because Texas became part of the US and uh, Mexico didn't like it. And so the US had to go down there and straighten things out. And during that time, uh, this guy, General, wasn't a general, he, I think he was a lieutenant at the time, went down also to the Mexican War to uh, do his thing and uh, very different things. He was our, I think he, he was a colonel or a captain or a colonel by that time. And of course he was a lesser ranking, uh, brand new second lieutenant. And uh, anyway, both of these guys, they were serving the same uh, United States of America, the same constitution, you know, they were, they were both eagles. They were eagles uh, doing their thing. And uh, this is when, you know, um, the Mexican war lasted about two years and it was turned out to be kind of a training ground for 
the upcoming conflict, which was, which was to become the Civil War. Um, and, you know, two different things. This guy, he's a superstar and he continues on to greatness. Uh, you know, like I said, he's a superintendent of the military academy and continues being uh, just a, you know, a promising rising star and uh, continues to do his thing and do it very well. Um, contrast that to this fellow right here, who after the Mexican War, he, uh, you know, goes into some duty stations that, you know, was, wasn't great. He, he ended up going out to San Francisco, California for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a fun time for him. Uh, some things were fun. He, he enjoyed the West. He enjoyed, you know, the weather and the adventure. And uh, he definitely liked that. Uh, he being raised in uh, Ohio, which at the time that was considered kind of like frontier. He was a Western kind of a guy, um, you know, where he's in Ohio being raised and this guy's in Virginia, you know, the old dominion, you know, this is like big deal, big difference uh, between their, their raising. So he's kind of a scrappy pioneer guy and he's the, uh, the Southern gentleman, you know, who's gotten property given to him and all the slaves and stuff like that. But this guy's a scrappy guy, um, General Grant, and he's out in California uh, during the, the gold rush time, a couple of years. He, you know, was not too happy because he was away from his family. His second son was born while he was out there and missed his family greatly, uh, wrote letters and, you know, being depressed, sometimes he'd pick up some whiskey. <laughs> and uh, that became uh, one of the things he was noted for is sometimes having a drink and, uh, you know, in the, 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 the army of the day, there was, there was a, it was very much frowned upon if somebody was taking to a drink. So he was kind of a rebel in that way, uh, you know, um, kind of drowning his sorrows. And uh, he would get a lot of sympathy today but back in those days, not much sympathy. Um, so, you know, at the time uh, he was Captain Grant and he uh, turned in his resignation to the army and got out, he was about 30, 32 years old. And he went back, to, you know, to his, to his family, got out of the army, of course, and uh, he kind of was, he was a drift, drifting into what he didn't know what he could do. He started being a farmer and tried to be, go in business and everything seemed to fail for him. And so he finally, he was trying to get reach out to his dad for some help and his dad says he's not going to help him if if he doesn't leave the the south and at the time he was living down and he was mo had moved down to uh <laughs> to missouri which was con which is a slave state and uh his you know grant's wife was the daughter of a slave owner and you know uh colonel dent was you know his uh his father-in-law who was you know this guy colonel dent his father-in-law was uh definitely a confederate definitely or not a confederate at the time but he was a southerner he was a democrat and uh so the southerners were democrat that's and they believed in holding slaves and you know they believed that's how they believed and so his grant's dad said i'm not gonna support you unless you leave that terrible place and you know his dad was a abolitionist so turns out he did he went ended up going up to illinois and uh started working and you know basically uh being a uh, uh bookkeeper for his dad and you know some other jobs so uh he's a scrapper okay he's he's trying to make his way but he's failing and stumbling and all the meantime you know this other guy by contrast was swimmingly going through his society of being a, a military officer and having such a sterling reputation and you know you know he he was pretty darn good actually uh, as an officer um 
you know, given that I, I want to tell you about the commitment, commitment being one of the one of the attributes of an eagle. Both of these guys, obviously, you know, like they're both eagles. Okay, they have commitment. Commitment being a, a devotion to duty, and it, it's trained. Something that you train is something that you experience. Uh, it's part of. It becomes who you are as a as an eagle. And this training, it stays with you. You know, when you come out of being an eagle in service, you you go into civilian life and, and having this skill, it's, it becomes a skill of a commitment, okay? Because you are devoted to what the task is at hand, you're devoted to it, you're focused on it so much that um, it, makes, it makes it easier to overcome obstacles, okay? Because of that commitment, that devotion to duty, that focus. And uh, both of these guys, they had that. And, and you know, their they're, uh, times when they were battling each other, you know, they had to uh, rely on that, on that commitment, um, which it just comes natural to an eagle. So if you are an eagle and you develop that skill, I, I would just want you to realize that. That's something that's part of you. And, and you should celebrate that and you should, you should utilize that skill in your in your everyday life and especially in your work life uh, to your employer's advantage um, because your employer needs that. You know, your, your, your employer needs you to be setting an example for the rest of the team and uh, coming through. You know, there's always gonna be a project and there's always gonna be obstacles or adversity that's coming your way, but because of your commitment skill, you can see past those obstacles and you can find solutions so that you can you can prevail, all right? So that's the uh, eagle attribute of commitment, which both of these guys, especially, uh, you know, well, both of them really, commitment. Um, you know, you could argue that because of his success, uh, the commitment was natural and, you know, um, he had, had extreme skill. This guy, Robert E. Lee, had extreme skills on, on leadership. Um, I think that, you know, he was, he was just a, <laughs> a naturally gifted individual. Uh, he was calm and collective and uh, uh, astute in, in everything that he did and uh, highly respected just because, well, he just knew his stuff, okay? He knew his military uh, stuff. And, uh, well, you know, like I said earlier, this guy, he, he asked him, you know, Lincoln asked him to be the general and he declined it because he was a, a southerner. And let me say a word on that about home and family. So, you know, this show is about work, home, and family. And uh, I want you to think about that, home and family. Home and family. Well, didn't take too long for Robert E. Lee to realize that that was more of his driving motivation was his home and family versus, uh, you know, the cause of of uh, Abraham Lincoln trying to keep the country as a united union. Um, that wasn't that wasn't Robert E. Lee's priority, and he quickly realized that he wanted to be defending the people where he lived and his his relatives. And uh, you know he couldn't see himself fighting against his own his own native state of Virginia. So he uh, respectfully declined the offer, and uh, he quickly accepted uh, the offer from uh, the Confederacy. So. Um, the events leading up to April 9th, 19, or 1865, the surrender, um, you know, you've, I've, I've told you a little bit about the past of this guy. He kind of went into obscurity, tried so hard. When the, when the world broke out, they were looking for people to fill up the ranks and become, you know, signing up. And he wanted to sign up as an officer, but he was turned down. <laughs> he was turned down. Uh, I guess he developed a reputation. Um, and some of the officers that he reached out to that had served with him in the past, they just kind of like just blew him off. They didn't want to, 
want to give them a chance. And, uh, you know, I guess it was kind of by luck when they were really needing soldiers and they were really needing generals that his name was put on a the list there in, uh, in Illinois and he was selected as a brigadier general so he could round up and, and start up uh, some of the Illinois uh, teams of troops to become, you know, militias or, or, you know, part of the Army, the U.S. Army, uh, the Union Army, to uh, face off with, with the Confederates. And anyway, when I'm looking at this book with Robert E. Lee, you know, he's, he's a great general. He's, you know, he starts into the war as, you know, expected to be successful, and, and he started being successful. Um, his campaigns were successful. Uh, you know, one thing that made him successful, I believe, and you can read, I can read that in this book here, uh, this is actually Roy Meredith. Uh, he edited and arranged this book, but it's the autobiography of, of General General Grant. Um, when the war began, it, it was uh, after the election when when Abraham Lincoln was elected in 1860. Okay, uh, his uh, the person who lost the election was uh, was uh, James Buchanan, who was a Democrat, and James Buchanan had the time from November until March. That's when he knew he, he was the loser, he was the lame duck, and during this time he managed to uh, support the secession process and uh, hit with his Secretary of War, and they, they managed to cause uh, a lot of armaments and ammunition and supplies to be uh, placed down south, just, you know, because he was the President of the United States quietly uh, moved those things down there and got things in position and, uh, you know, kind of turned a blind eye or, or kind of, uh, you know, tacitly supported these states that decided to do their secession, starting with South Carolina and followed by the other states. And, um, you know, it was just kind of weird that this stuff was happening, but they, uh, the Democrat, they were very, uh, very much for the Southern uh, slaveholders. I mean, that's, that was their thing, so they were trying to support them. And and this guy James Buchanan, he lost the election, but he was going to do everything he could before he got out of office to uh, make it make it so that his beloved Southern uh, people would be uh, supported by the might of the military as much as possible before something was going to happen. So um, those kind of things were noted when you read this book by Grant of what was happening that was setting things up. And he, this guy, he's a private citizen during this time. This guy's already a general and he goes, you know, starts up as the uh, general of the, the Confederacy. He starts his campaign, goes to West Virginia, gets rained on a lot. There's a lot of letters in here where he writes his wife and uh, even his daughters and even his sons. And, you know, they're very uh, eloquent, lovely letters. And he mentions, uh, you know, God and providence and you know he really believes uh what he's doing he believes in you know he believes in the great cause you know our great cause which i i disagree with because he was believing in this cause to uh to promote slavery and promote racism and and uh, i totally disagree with that but and that's why he's not a hoss okay um so uh curiously this guy who comes from obscurity he starts as a uh, Brigadier General gets, starts doing some campaigns and winning a little bit here, a little bit there. He realizes that, you know, when you have the element of surprise, that's that's when you can defeat the uh, the enemy. And the enemy for for him, of course, was the Confederates. Many of these people he knew from the Mexican War, and he knew their habits and their styles, 
and uh, he, knowing their knowing their weaknesses and their strengths, he was able to uh, succeed. Um, of course, this guy, he knew a lot of people in the army already naturally, and and he knew knew them too. Uh, you know what their what their skills were, people who were. Uh, people that he had dealt with that were in the north then against against him were his enemy the same kind of thing so there was a lot of that happening many of the people had known each other and you know um, when they're when they're graduating classes from uh, from West Point were like 39 or 40 people it was pretty easy to know everybody pretty intimately you spent that four years with them and then start serving in the service with them and then when the time comes for the war everybody split into their different sides based on home and family um, so, uh, you know, there were, there were some um, early, early victories by Grant, and then there were some other struggles. You know, at Shiloh, he lost a lot of troops, and he ended up having, uh, uh, unfortunately, they, they not, not really demoted his rank, but they made him a second in charge for a bit, and he kind of put him on the bench, and he was pretty dis disappointed about that. But, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln got a, a, an understanding about how you know he was he was a fighter and he you know he was he was pushing it so hard that there were plenty of casualties but there was a victory okay and he fought he was he was a you know definitely uh, pretty skilled at doing it even though there was sometimes heavy casualties um, you know Lincoln t decided to reshuffle his generals and and he put him back in charge and then he got a chance and he went down to uh, cause the Vicksburg. Uh, capture Vicksburg to happen so that the Union had control of the Mississippi River. And that was a turning point in the war because of this guy right here. And this, so that kind of really elevated him and really got the attention of Abraham Lincoln. And then, you know, eventually Abraham Lincoln promoted him to the three-star general so that he was in charge of the entire Union Army starting in 1864, uh, I think it was about April time frame. So at that time, once he became in charge of the whole Union Army, um, you know, he then was going to face this guy directly in, in Virginia, which he did, and they had plenty of battles. Uh, by that time, the, the Southern forces were dwindling and having trouble with uh, supplies. Uh, you know, people, their, their, their army was not being able to be sustained. But, you know, somehow this guy, he was a scrapper too. He was able to make it happen with very few people. Um, the Union Army thought he had twice as many soldiers as he did, but he managed to uh, uh, keep things uh, mixed up and pushed it really hard. And, um, you know, they thought he was, he was more ferocious than he was. And he, you know, during 1864, that was an election year, um, the Union, they would like to have put a fork in it and finished it off, but that wasn't going to happen because Robert E. Lee and his team, they were pushing really hard to win, and they wanted to... Uh, force uh, the election of that year to become a, a Democrat win. If the Democrats had won, then they think that they would have, you know, capitulated and the Democrats would have said, okay, the war's over, and then it would have been a victory for the South, And uh, but that didn't happen. So 1864, uh, President Lincoln was again elected, and uh, even though it was a kind of a struggle, um, this guy, he had a little bit more, um, you know, pep in his step at that time. He was pretty happy that that Abe Lincoln had won the election, and but he still had to keep pressing, and it was kind of a long war of attrition at that time. Uh, you know, it was a, a, a trying to take trying to take Lee uh, just around the the Richmond area, and uh, 
basically Petersburg. It was a siege on that town, and Lee was holding it pretty hard, holding it pretty hard, but eventually, come April, that's when his force just kind of ran into starvation mode, and they just couldn't do it anymore, and that's when uh, Robert e. Lee finally decided it was time to surrender. Um, so, anyway, um, you know, Robert E. Lee, being the gentleman that he was, he, you know, he goes to surrender, he gets himself all dressed up in his best uniform, uh, his shiny sword, and he goes there, and, and by contrast, he was wearing, this guy, uh, Grant, Ulysses Grant, was wearing his field uniform with mud on his boots and stuff like that, um, but they still had a cordial... Um, meeting and in fact they were talking so much that they almost forgot what they were there for at one point and of course uh, you know the gentleman Robert E. Lee had to get him back on track and say hey we got to draw up these uh these the surrender and so Robert E. Lee Robert E. Lee was trying to make sure that his his uh his officers and his troops were going to be treated fairly and that they weren't going to be just thrown in prison or at you know treated like prisoners of war um, you know, he wanted them to be able to return to being citizens. And so those were some of the terms of the surrender is that, hey, um, and also before that, um, Grant had already met with Lincoln and that was the idea is that they were going to go ahead and, you know, when the war was over, they were going to have an easy peace. You know, the South was going to have to, again, they were, they were going to have to uh, swear allegiance to the United States of America again. Uh, they were going to have to respect the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, but then after that, it was going to be, hey, kind of going back to just being our, you know, our countrymen again. And that was the idea. So um, anyway, that the, things went along pretty well for about a week. And then, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. So I'm going to talk about Abraham Lincoln next week. And I'll talk about the time that he was assassinated and kind of what led up to that. Um, you know, some of the things that he was doing before that happened you know, particularly the 13th Amendment when he got that passed. And uh, so that'll be next week's version. And, you know, Palm Sunday was April 9th, and then it was Good Friday, the 14th. That's the day that uh, Abraham Lincoln was actually shot, you know. Um, very tumultuous times for the country. They were on a high. The whole USA was on a high after the end of the Civil War. And then only a week later, uh, you know, the president was shot. And then his... Uh, President Lincoln had chosen a Democrat to be his running mate, Andrew Johnson, who was quickly sworn in. And Democrat Johnson, he was he was uh, beholden to his uh, Southern uh, people. He he came from Tennessee, and he basically was extremely extremely lenient on the South, um, which was uh, very much angered a lot of people from the North. So I'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Anyway, um, Ulysses Grant, one of my favorite hosses, okay, uh, he later becomes president, our 18th president. He uh, oversaw the, uh, the passage of, of very many uh, civil rights legislation, the, the reconstruction effort of the South. Um, he pressed it hard, and uh, he was definitely a hoss for America, uh, U.S. Grant. And this guy, Robert E. Lee, um, he, you know, he was granted... Uh, the ability to basically, uh, you know, live in peace after the war, uh, instead of being indicted for treason, and he ended up becoming the president of Washington College, and uh, now it's called Washington and Lee. Um, but uh, you know, he only lasted maybe about four years after the end of the war before he passed away. So he, you know, he he had a lot of great things. He became probably more famous even after his death and. 
you know, many people in the South, uh, you know, almost idolized him. And he actually, this guy, he, he was a gentleman in, in the case of being an eagle. He didn't want to be idolized. He didn't want to have all these statues. He was against that. He was trying, uh, one of the things that I would, I would say uh, strongly about him is, is his steadfast leadership was to drop down his sword and say, hey, now it's time uh, as a leader of the people of the South, he said, now it's time to go back into your communities and be a leader in your community and rebuild, rebuild your home. And that's basically what he was doing uh, as setting an example, you know. Um, and, you know, he wasn't a politician. The politicians were doing their ugly stuff but uh, he was definitely being as much of a leader as he could be, as much of a gentleman as he can be, um, because he's an eagle. So, uh, you know, there's definitely some credit to his, to what he was doing. But of course, you know, the cause, the, what he called the great cause, I, I disagree with it totally. And, you know, history, history was, on, he was on the wrong side of history. So um, anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up today's session. This is the Eagle Hassenham podcast. I appreciate you tuning in. And remember to go to eagleimpact.com to look for some items that you may wish to wear. This being a, a Foo Racism shirt and uh, featuring this guy, Ulysses Grant, one of the best hosses out there. Don't forget Benjamin Franklin. He'll be on another episode too. So I'm J.D. Collier with Eagle, Hoss, and Hound. Have yourself a great Four week. Four. Work, work. I go to work and I hit the floor. Hard work, work. Hard work, work. A hard work, work. A hard work, work. Hard work, work. All right, guys, that's awesome.